Serenissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best, straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today at www.arganissima.com. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Welcome back to the iHealth channel, iHealth Radio, with your host, Hurricane H. New day, new show, great topic, a topic I love. Uh, we're talking motivation, inspiration, and uh, we will be uh, bringing to you a guest who has uh, bestsellers uh, books um, for many, many times, and also who has a unique experience that probably we're going to hear about. It, like, whoa, how did that even happen? And so, <laughs> it's going to sound a little funny as as I, I I'm just throwing these little nuggets here. But without any further ado, I'm bringing on Chancellor Jackson. Welcome to the show. Hey, blessings and balance to you, Hurricane. Blessings and balance to everyone that's tuning in. Big shout out to everyone that's tuning in. Y'all the real MVPs. So, salute to y'all, man, for real. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Well, so, so Chancellor, first things first, let's talk about your journey. And, and then, and then, then I think that's usually a good place to start because that gives us the backdrop and the background on, on your life and what got you to today. And for, sure. uh, for our audiences, that's going to be important. For sure. So, uh, like he said, the name is Chancellor K. Jackson, born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, Played football the vast majority of my life, so that definitely played a huge factor into just the character development of, you know what I'm saying, the individual that's in front of y'all today. Um, got to play, played all throughout high school and got the opportunity to play Division One football down in Florida at Stetson University. Um, so it was a small private school, you know what I'm saying, in Deland, Florida, where I obtained my bachelor's degree in communication and media studies. So what we're doing right now is right up my, my alley, for real, for real. Um, but ironically, after graduating from Stetson, I landed my first job teaching English to children in China. So that's how I ended up in China. Um, I was working with kids as young as three years old, all the way up to 14. I entered China on October 10th, 2018. And then I was supposed to do a year. That's how long my contract was set for. But on April 4th, 2019, things took a turn. <laughs> and I was arrested and served 14 days in the Beijing Penitentiary. Um, uh, then once I was released, I was immediately deported from the country, came back to America, and I was back at square one all over again, like trying to figure out what's going to be next, how I'm going to bounce back from, you know what I'm saying, taking this L and stayed in education, um, fell into coaching football, started writing 14 Days in Beijing, and um, on the anniversary dates of April 4th, 2020, so one calendar year later, um, I pro released the first version of 14 Days in Beijing, and it was ranked number one new bestseller in three different genres. Um, and then from there on, it's just, man, it's been a journey for real, for real. Like I had some momentum, just put, taking something and put it out to the universe and it got a great response. And from there on, it's just, uh, let me just keep this foot on the gas, publish two more books, um, started my own publishing company, which all my books are published through. I have a service right now, coaching aspiring authors. So anybody out there that has an idea or a concept for a story, but aren't sure how to go about putting it on paper. I can help you with that. Or say you've written a whole book but don't know how to go about publishing. 
can walk through that process as well, or both of them if need be. Um, also, uh, <laughs> got a car rental service, so I rent cars out. Um, yeah, man, so I'm just running a couple marathons trying to get established. That's it now. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's quite a bit. I mean, that was a, that was an intense compact, you know, two minutes, with my to, but there's a lot of stuff there and we really want to just expand on all of that. But, but first things first, first of all, I, I, I love what you said about, you know, you were, you were in football and uh, of course there's discipline there. There's a lot of stuff that goes into that. Went through education process. You got your bachelor's degree, but then you decide to go and explore the word. And I guess one way to do it is to teach English in other parts of the world. There's a lot of people that do that. Why China? <laughs> well, I, ironically, um, when I applied for the position, I just found it on, I found I was job searching on LinkedIn, I want to say. And um, I was going through the filters. And up, up until this point, I have been applying for mainly corporate positions. So mm -hmm. sales, marketing, management, that whole nine. I'm talking about, I've been, I'm landing interviews. They fly me out for these interviews, put me up in hotels, renting cars out for me, the whole nine. But I could not seem to land a position. And I went through this process for about eight months straight. And they kept hitting me with the same BS excuse. Oh, you lack the experience. So we're going to go with somebody with a little bit more experience. But it's like, y'all knew that was the case when I submitted my resume. Now I done got in front of y'all, the whole paradigm has shifted for some reason. I don't know what had happened, but for sure, whatever you say. Um, I couldn't take it too too personal, you know what I'm saying? I just knew I've been in this position before. I just put myself out there, especially trying to find a college to play at. You know what I'm saying? I went through this phase, putting myself out there, getting told no a thousand times before I finally got a yes. So I'm like, if you quit, you'll never be shit. So that's not an option. We got to keep our foot. You know what I'm saying? Let's reapproach this job search things. Clearly, corporate might not be for you, family. We've been at this for months. We didn't got close, but have yet to been able to seal the deal on anything. So what are you good at doing? Talking with people, working with people. That sounds like social work. So I just typed in social work in the search engine. <laughs> Answer. Going through the filters, and I noticed a, a button in the filters that I never noticed before. And it said international. I was like, but why haven't I thought to look outside the U.S. for opportunities? Let's see what's going on in the ground, around, around the globe. And that's when I started teaching English children in China. I'm like, oh, man, that sounds lit. You know what I'm saying? China has always been a place of interest since I was a kid. In the introduction of my book, I flash back to a table conversation I'm having one Saturday morning at breakfast with, with the tribe. And my mom asked my brother and I, what's three places in the world y'all want to go? And I make sure that we go. Mind you, I'm like seven, eight years old. I said, China. She's like, <laughs> why China? The only logical reason I had at that young age. That's where everything is made. I won't go to the land where everything is made. You look at the back of any product, where it say made in China. <laughs> now, we America... We supposed to be the big dog. We ain't got no product. China got all the products. I'm like, I want to go to the land where everything is made. And it's like, man, that table conversation was not only a key example of manifestation, but a catalyst of change, a catalyst of what China would eventually do for me. Um, so once I got hired, they gave me three options. They was like uh, Beijing, mm. Shanghai, which is another city in China, or mm. Bali, Indonesia. Now, at that time, I had no clue. I had no knowledge about Indonesia, so I automatically X that off the list. As soon as I heard that, I'm like, I'm straight on that. I don't know nothing about none of that. So I, was, I chose Shanghai originally, but the demand for teachers wasn't as high in Shanghai as it was in Beijing. So the recruiter's like, all right, you go to uh, Shanghai, but you got to pay for your own flight. If you choose Beijing, we'll pay for it. You should have said that from the beginning. <laughs> Beijing it is. <laughs> that would narrow it down, right? <laughs> oh, it's Beijing it is. So that's, you know what I'm saying, that's how that played out. And I ended up out there. Well, well, so so thank you for for sharing that. I mean, uh, you put it in, in in a nice little way because 
you said something that's interesting. You were a younger kid, and that was a destination that you had in mind. Now, as a, you said, it, you, it's not, you sounded funny, like uh, everything is made in China. I want to go there wherever everything's made. But looking at it, you know, hearing it from you now, you realize that you were a much younger person, and you know, kids are kids, and they have different way of looking at the world, right? And that's how you actually perceive that country to be. And you know that literally, you're right. A lot of products that we have, you know, components and other everything. China is, is you know, it's almost everywhere in terms yeah. of products and 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 stuff. So, and, and it is a big country. I mean, it's one of the biggest countries. And you know what? It's an interesting culture, very ancient culture. But but what you did is that a lot of people in the U.S. were not there to actually kind of explore the world the way you did it. And I'm not saying a lot of people, but. Few people would do that, and they are doing it, you know, every year. I mean, there are a few folks that actually want to discover the world. They do these, you know, uh, trips and uh, exchange students type of things, or they do, like you, to your point, uh, uh, side jobs, you know, or startup jobs in, in different parts of the world, just whether it's for language purposes or just to uh, visit new cultures, learn about other places. And also sometimes it's free travel because they pay for it, as you said. So it's not a bad deal. And uh, But you did that, and that was good. But, but again... I want to address the that the part that you said, which is a big portion of of today's world that we live in. Uh, you're not the first, and probably not the last, that graduated for college uh, from college and then uh, tries to get into the corporate world. And the chances are you probably going to have a high, difficult time to get in. Because, by the way, this is not new. I mean, I'm much older, and this has always been the case. Oh, you have, no, you have no experience. <laughs> you, you need experience before we hire you. Well, how the hell am I going to get experience if I can't get hired in the first place? You know, that's like that. Wow. You know, but, but, you know, there is the, obviously there are tech, you know, I mean, I've had some people to guide, you know, this conversation about maybe getting internships and things like that, but you were in the football, you weren't doing that. And here you go, you're ready and you're thinking stuff and you said it, you go to these places, you don't even know why after all these months of interviews, you're not lending a job. But the idea is almost seen. It, well, first of all, I'm not sure if there's any other reason that you probably can can expand on. But the fact of the matter, it is a difficult task for almost everyone today. You finish college. You know, one of the ideal things that you do if you're in college is that you have to have some sort of a side job where you're actually practicing whatever you're doing. Uh, so you're already in, you know, even as an entry point, whatever it is. So you're not like zero experience and you're just like, here's my degree. I'm, I'm ready. I'm fresh. Uh, because in the real world, they want somebody with experience. Now, some jobs do. Uh, if I had met you, you would be working with me, man. I mean, I'm in the insurance <laughs> space. We take everybody and we want everybody. As long as you have personality and you love people, you know, you're in. But that's that's the thing. Like, you know, there are different ways to enter the the, the, the business market. And listen, my best friend, we met actually at a job. And the reason we met is he wasn't, he had an accounting major. He never worked in accounting. <laughs> you know, same, same thing happened to him. He was not able to to get in because everybody's like, "Oh, you need two years," and this was like 30, 27 years ago. You need a degree. Uh, you need experience, two years minimum. I just got you know got off college. Well, no, you can't. So he wound up doing sales with me, and that's how we met. <laughs> but but I can tell you, I mean, for audiences, sales is a good way. Now again, sales is a big you know industry, you know a big concept itself, and there's a lot of ways to get in. But but. The idea is that it's not easy for anyone watching, listening at that age or just about, you know, finishing college or planning to go in college and trying to plan their life after college. This is a good way to think about, you know, uh, discuss it with your parents or if you're independent, have the discussion with yourself. But make sure you do this research, get into some business aspect of things, get into some corporate way, different ways. You know, there's always entry points, whether it's customer service, 
uh, so, you know, like sales is usually a good place to start, you know, and then you find your way when you major, then you can move up the ladder within the corporations. Or at least you have some time of, of expertise there. Facts. Yeah. So, and that's, I ain't take no internships. I wasn't doing none of that when I was in college. So once I graduate, I'm like, damn, I shot myself in the foot with that one. <laughs> well, again, listen, learned experience. I mean, right. it's, it, but, but again, you had a different route. And by the way, everything happens for a reason. Everything that happened got you to today, which is we can't discount that. And that's the other part. We don't know. We, we always try to plan, <laughs> but we never know. We plan for the, the well, how is it? Plan for the worst and expect the best or some, something of that nature. That's the expression that goes. But the idea is nobody knows. Like we all try, right? And everybody is like, you know, I have this, this grandiose ideas and I, I have this, this vision of where I'm going to be. But, but you got to just keep moving left, right, up, down, whatever. You just got to keep doing things. But if you have a little bit of guidance, sometimes it helps. And you think that, you know, you'll have some sort of a guidance in the college level where people can tell you like, hey, you know, get in here, get in there. But again, you specifically, you were in football. I know that is another, you know, aspect of of it is that you are busy because you get games, you get this, you get that. You're not going to have time to do a lot of things, and that's also something you know um, more difficult. Now, I know you didn't venture out to 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 the to the big league for for football, but but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a whole different world in its own. So you went to China to teach English, which is actually a great thing. I mean, obviously, English is the language of the, the business in the world, and uh, it's an opportunity. And that, again, you, you're you smart enough to realize that I got a skill that I can use anywhere, you know, yes. to do this. And that's that's the other thing. You go to basics. I mean, you're super smart because you can do all the other stuff, but you have something that someone needs or some people need, which is a language. A lot of people actually listen. I when I was a kid, I was, I was born and raised in Morocco and, um, you know, my teachers that taught me English in, in the American school were all people that were actually coming from the States to spend some time in Morocco, learn about the culture. But that was a way for them to get an income and to live there while they actually enjoying, you know, right. the, the, the time there. And it was that kind of thing. Right. So it was like, you know what, we're we're checking out this nice little place and we're going to live here and the cost is nice and we're going to make some money but also discover the world around here. Right. So that was, that was always like impressive for me. And I've, I've met a lot of people that did that, you know, when I was much younger and uh, as, as you know, learned I was high school days, but, but, but that was, that, that was smart. Now you went to Beijing. Great. Biggest, place. it's a big place. A lot of people, uh, different culture. I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, you know, you had, you had to adapt and adjust to it. Uh, but now what happened? I mean, jail, I mean, yeah. hold, hold on. I want to say something. When I think about jail in, in, in China, you know, it's like that old movie, uh, Midnight Express with the jail in Turkey, I think, you know, yeah, you, you, yeah. you see, you know, you see a jail in China, you see a jail in Russia, you see a jail in Turkey, you see those movies where they show you it's like, it's terrible, it's bad, you know, and, and I'm not taking light on this because you had to go through this. Um, there's, well, first of all, there's got to be a reason why you went there and I'm yeah. not sure if that's something you can share or not, but, sure. but, but the fact that you went in, you know, what was that like? I mean, that's got to be so devastating, you know, especially American, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. So, um, yeah, it's April 4th, 2019. I'm finna get ready. It's a day off for me. I'm finna get ready to head to an event to meet some colleagues and friends at. Um, and before I go, I'm like, shit, I'm pregame. So I'm in the apartment, drink some Chinese liquor, listen to music, smoke some cannabis, just vibing out. I finish, get dressed, make sure I got all my things before I walk out the door. And now I hear a knock. Guests aren't unfamiliar, so I'm just curious to see who it is. So I look through the people, and there's the three officers from the Beijing police. 
Instantly, I'm spooked, sick to my stomach. Like, oh, shit, what they doing here? Scrum <laughs> put everything up, open the door. Um, they walk in and question me about drugs. And I'm from Atlanta. And Atlanta is known as the city of finesse. You live by the finesse, you die by the finesse. So he asked me about drugs. I'm sitting there acting like, I don't know what he's talking about. Playing the straight food. Um, try to divert the conversation. Like, my passport? You need to see my passport, bro? Because you got me confused. Somebody else. I'm going to grab a passport and the rest of my documentation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just trying to finesse the situation. So I go grab all my documentation. I give it to the officer to look at. Um, he sits down. He looks over my documents. The other two officers, they're just... You know what I'm saying? Walking around the apartment, just scoping it out. Nothing too crazy, though. Time passes. Another officer enters the apartment with something in his hand. They communicate to me that I need to pee into this cup. So it was a drug test right there on the spot. And right then and there, I was like, yeah, it's over with. <laughs> like, it's over with. So do the drug test. Fill the drug test, of course. By this time, it's like eight officers in the apartment. One in particular speaks English fluently. He's questioned me about filling the drug test, where I get the weed from, if I had any more, what's the last time I smoked. You know what I'm saying? Blah, 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 blah. Wow. And like I said earlier, you live by the finesse, you die by the finesse. So me and this officer, we just going back and forth. We are shooting shit with him. Every question he poses, first thing that come to my mind, I'm just blurting out. I ain't really thinking about it, nothing. And it got to the point within the interrogation where I was catching myself in my own lot. So I knew for a fact he more than likely was catching me in the line. But you live by the finesse, you die by the finesse. <laughs> so I'm just steady going back and forth, just hanging on to the hope that I can just see him saying finesse the situation. And once the officer realized I won't give him anything that he can work with, I, you know what I'm saying? The is up, man. We red, caught red-handed. We know you got more. Something like right, that. I die by the finesse this time. Damn, it's all good. I live to finesse another day. Now I got to hold myself accountable. So I fess up to it. They confiscate everything, throw the cuffs on me, escort me out the building, set me down in the police van. And now I'm just in disbelief as what, in regards to just like, what the fuck just, what, what, what just happened? Like, <laughs> what is going on? This is really, this is really happening. And nobody knows this is happening. I have no clue what's going to take place. But sit tight in due time. You, you know what I'm saying? We're going to find out. Um, so we get to one precinct. We're there briefly like 20, 30 minutes, then we get back in the van. I'm like, okay, I don't know where we're going. We riding, riding. We had another precinct. This one's a little bit bigger, has holding cells. So they throw me in one of the holding cells about um, eight other Chinese dudes. Um, so I'm just sitting there just reflecting. A few minutes pass, they come grab me and walk me to the basement of the precinct. And we into this white room. And in this white room, this is all metal chair that looks like an electric chair. They walk over to the chair. And they open it and they looking at me. I'm looking at them. I look <laughs> at the chair, look back at them, look at the chair again. <laughs> look back at them, like, like, you want me to sit there? Yeah, I want me, like, for real. And they just like, they just staring at me with a blank face. So I sat my ass down. <laughs> Everything like my shins, thighs, waist, chest, and arms all in one place. The only part of my body I couldn't move was my head. So I did my whole interrogation locked up like this here. Um, but by this time, that gave me plenty of time to come up with a good story to finesse they ass with. So I gave my fabricated story. I'm assuming they bought it because they brought the transcription over for me to look over. Mind you, it's all written in Mandarin, so I have no clue what this thing says. But they say to sign it, I sign it, say thumbprint it, I thumbprint it, and they release me from the chair. So I'm like, all right, 
cool. <laughs> we get out the chair, go back upstairs, mugshot, handprint, and they throw me back in the holding cell. And now I'm just sitting there reflecting on the entire day from what took place at the apartment, what I could have did better, to the interrogation itself, what I could have said better. Um, just come up with just different scenarios, like, man, you know what I'm saying? I could have did this, I could have did this, I could have said that, man, oh, man, this would have been good. But regardless, with me feeling, if I would have flushed, if I would have had the extra weed on me or not, with me feeling that drug test, I was going to end up in the same predicament. Just for failing the drug test, they still going to lock you up. So I'm like, I was damned either way. So it really ain't even matter. Um, but now my high is finally coming down. Um, sun is fading until it's still darkness. And so, you know what I'm saying? Hours have passed, of course. They come get me from the holding cell, walk into the lobby, bring my basket clothes, tell me to get dressed. Oh, my All right, back. He ain't said nothing but a word. I, I got dressed and I'm waiting for the next set of orders. They had me follow them through a door that's behind the front desk and walk down the hall. And now we in this room that I can only assume is some form of evidence room. Just because I see evidence bags everywhere. No sense of organization, structure, what's nothing. It's just hoarder. But in the middle of the room is a table. In the center of the table is everything else confiscated from my apartment. So the officer sits down at the table and he takes the cannabis and he weighs it up right there in front of me. Now, this is an interesting phase within the book because, one, as a reader, you're curious to know how much does he actually have on him. Two, when have you ever heard or saw law enforcement weigh whatever they just confiscated from somebody up right in front of them? I felt that was very strange and that was different. So that was interesting as well. But three, throughout this entire 14-day process, you have no clue how what's going to take place, how long you're going to be here. How this thing operate? You have no clue what's going to go on. You learn as you go. I'm here to tell you I did 14 days. And as you read the book, you don't know what's going on until one day they just finally call your name to go. So with me not receiving no information whatsoever, only messages or signs I was able to receive were from my ancestors, my guardian angels, the higher powers, whatever you want to refer to a mask. They sent me multiple signs and messages. Let me know how long I would be in this predicament and how it would play out. Um, and this was the very first sign I received and the only live and action sign I received. Everything else occurred in my dreams. So he weighs the weed up in front of me and it told out to be 1.4 grams of cannabis. Now, for those that partake in cannabis, you know, 1.4 grams isn't a lot. Even if you don't partake in cannabis, we're talking units of measurement. <laughs> 1. Oh, 1. 1.4 grams is one gram. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it ain't a lot. But you look at that number. Imagine I got a whiteboard right here and I drew 1.4 on this whiteboard. And then I took an eraser and just erased that point. What number would you see? 14. Hence <laughs> the title of the book. Now, did I catch that initially? Absolutely not. It clean over my head. But that was the very first sign I received. So they put everything on paper. I can't read it, but they say sign it. I sign it. Say thumbprint. I thumbprint. And now we in the van. What? I look at the word. Chess, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. One point four could be forty one. Depends on which way you read it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but 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 you know that is that is. First of all, I I didn't mean to cut you off. It just it just it's amazing that all this is happening, and you have no representation. You know, because we all have this ex expectation that if you're with with the law enforcement that you have like what we know here as your rights and they have to read your you know uh uh rights actually up front before they can take you they have to actually give you the attorney you know uh opportunity to make a phone call none of that stuff that we know of 
has happened based on what you said. I mean, you were literally eight people in all guns up, you know, all, you know, you know, very serious people. And then now you're just kind of like taken for a ride and, and nothing. And now you say that instead of 1.4, it's 14. You didn't even realize that uh, in a language that you cannot possibly, you know, comprehend much and uh, very little, you know, communication. That had to be probably the most scary experience that anyone can go through because you have no idea what your life is going to look like at this point and, and where you're going to wind up. It is, it is, you know, for, and I think, I think for our audiences, you know, young generation, old generation, it doesn't matter. Uh, by the way, cannabis in most of the States now, it's, it's comfortable and people are, 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 are partaking in it and whatever the case may be. But in a lot of places it is still illegal. And uh, it, again, what, what was interesting is that, that they actually got a cup right there and the test was made, you know, fixed right there. You don't even have to go to the lab and we got to figure out, well, I can't take it. Three days later, you can get away with it. No, it's instant. There's no, you can't run from this. I mean, but that shows you how the system is different from what we used to. And listen to be learned for all of us, you know, in this yes. world, that when you leave the United States, don't expect that you're American and everything else is going to be peachy. You're in somebody's territory, their laws, their rules and stuff. So don't, don't go crazy and start like, you know, trying to swing and, and have the arguments and be like, you know, I'm American. I, I'm sorry to say it, but you know, you <laughs> might have some courtesy in some parts of the world, but not necessarily guaranteed. And, uh, Good luck to have an embassy or consulate, you know, uh, you know, someone knows about you. It might take days, weeks, maybe before they even know that you've actually been apprehended and things like that. So it is not that simple, folks. And so your, I mean, your story is just like, boom. I mean, it's just a wake up call to anyone. Listen, we all love to have fun. We all love to party, but know the rules, whatever you are, know where, what to do or not to do. You don't know what happened there. You don't have someone. You know, snitching you and said, "Hey, this this dude is my." Or maybe someone got busted because they sold you the stuff, and now you're the client. What we you don't know, and you're not gonna know. But but don't don't do that. And then same thing. You go to a club, you know, you you have some fun. You never know what can happen to you when you're in somebody's turf. Understand? Even in the states, I mean, some states have different laws, right? You cannot just expect that just because you're in one state, everything's gonna be the same in the other state. So imagine when you get out of the country, your Thanks. protection and your rights are almost zero. <clears throat> Uh, compared to <laughs> to what you're used to, so so uh, it's it's something to just learn, lesson learn for all of us. And uh, yes. it, again, I mean, it, it had to be you had to go through it, which is uh, unfortunate. But but at least what what I, what thank you for for taking that story, and and really that's le lesson learned. But but not just for you, you took it to the to the world. I mean, you're sharing it with the world. So this way, and you take it on the road right now in podcasts and radio shows because you want other people to learn from it. I mean, you could literally just kept it to yourself. Nobody even knew about it. You come back for hours of vacation. And that's it. I mean, really, you, no one had to know. I mean, literally, you could just say, oh, "I was out. Beijing was fantastic. I had a guy was a club, club, you know, club med there, <laughs> club fed. I don't know, but you had a good time and you came back. But that's that's not the case, right? You come back, uh, you decide to do something, and you took advantage. See, like you saw the the good and the bad. You know, it was mm -hmm. a bad situation. You turn it into a real good situation, which expose you in the work of you know in the world of you know writing uh and best-selling book i mean you know and I, believe me i would think it would sell best i mean it is it is a a, a great you know um story uh as as sad as it sounds but it's it's a helpful story it's an educational story it's a learning story for Thanks. for many uh because because listen we all are human we all love to have some, some fun and depending on who you are the fun can actually be too too extreme and then now you regret it you know 
few minutes of hot, you know, good stuff. And then the rest of it is just bad. And and we, we see it in movies. You don't think about it that way until mm-hmm. you actually talk to someone who has experienced it in real terms, in real life. Not a good, not a good place. No, so, 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 so 14 days. So, th- so what happened then? I mean, after they, they give you the 14, so the 14, is that how it is? 1.4 is 14 days. Is that, well, no, nah, that's just the simple. That was just ironic. Like, oh, okay. I, 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 I thought there was a correlation to that. <laughs> uh, I thought you would think so, but like, as I'm editing the book and I'm, I'm, I'm went over that part of the book. Okay. Yeah. It was told out to be 1.4 grams. So I'm looking at it and said 1.4. And I simply just covered that decimal. I'm like, wow. You know what I'm saying? Just like, it's just a connection. Like, you know what I'm saying? The other sign I received, I was, uh, it's like day three. Um, I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming I'm with some random people in China. We smoking at somebody's house. I don't even know who these folks are. We just smoking, chilling, um, talking about getting arrested for cannabis, ironically. And one person in the group said, I heard if you get caught with more than three grams, it's an automatic month sentence. And as soon as that person said that, everybody in the room got quiet. And then I started to hear the uh, officer's voice on the intercom to wake us up. So I'm now I'm starting to wake up. I'm like, oh, damn, I was streaming. And I was sitting there, I was just reflecting. Charlie said, if you get caught with three grams, that's an automatic month. Well, if I got caught with 1.4, that's less than half of three. We talking about two weeks worth of time. Am I supposed to be here for two weeks? I don't even think I can do two weeks in this place. This is a whole conversation I'm having. This is exact conversation I'm having with myself. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? But it's, I'm still not really thinking too much of it. But lo and behold, boom. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just crazy how it played out. But um, so so, oh. Chancellor, so when when all this was happening, and now they they, I'm sure they put you in a cell and uh, mm-hmm. other inmates. Uh, now you were not sent to a formal jail i mean i guess you were just in the precinct at all this this time uh, no, no, i actually now they after they put they weighed that weed up in front of me and i signed and thumbprinted that document that's we it got back in the van it's i read the clock on the uh radio it's like one o'clock in the morning these folks arrested me at like 11 a.m so i'd have been in custody all day ain't ate or drunk nothing <laughs> but i really ain't even worried about none of that is these folks gonna let me go that's the only thing on my mind so i'm like i don't work with y'all to be compliant Energy been good. I'm like, there's no way they're not taking me up. So we riding, we riding. 40, 50 minutes passed, and we arrive at a facility detail with tall walls and barbed wire. I was like, oh shit, we just That's it. <laughs> no, no judge, no nothing. Oh no, no, no. We went straight to the facility. They took me to the nurse's office to do a quick physical. Took me to the uh, changing room to get my official uniform. He gave me a, my plastic bowl. my plastic spoon. They took me upstairs to the second floor with a uh, manor house. We get to sell two hundred nine. Mine's just like four o'clock in the morning at this point now. So the CO opens, everybody sleeps. CO opens the door. Instantly, my psych is thrown by the setup of the cell. Setup of the cell ain't nothing but a big rectangle. I say 15 yards in length, 10 yards in width. Um, and the bunks, the beds, which are number wooden planks, you take one big step into the cell, and then the, the beds start and they stretch all the way to the back. On the beds, I describe it as a slumber party. All I see is a huddled body sleeping. Across mm. from the slumber party are two Chinese inmates standing up against the wall, wide awake, watching them sleep. So, of course, with them being awake, we make eye contact. The last thing they expect to see come walking through this door was his brother with locks. The last thing I expect to see was two Chinese motherfuckers watching other Chinese motherfuckers sleep. So we just got this <laughs> awkward moment of just eye contact, trying to feel each other out. Like, what was going on? What do you folks got going on? So I do a head count. All right, including me, it's 15 of us in this cell. 
I count the beds. Nine in total. And it makes sense why it looks like a slumber party. To the left, it's the bathroom. It's its own separate room. All the walls made of glass, so everybody in the cell can see inside. You have a regular sink, a squat toilet, so pretty much a hole in the ground you got to squat over. And the shower ain't nothing but water holes with a shower head duct tape to it. You got black mold coating the walls, gnats and insects and stuff flying around. So it's not the most sanitary place, to say the least. So... I approached the slumber party trying to find a spot to look <laughs> And one of the inmates taking watch, wake two people up to make room for me. And they do. They have me set my bowl and my spoon in the cubbies. It's up underneath the beds. I just lay down between these two Chinese dudes with my hands on my chest like this here and stand at the bright light on the ceiling. And that's when reality fully kicked in. <laughs> wow. I, <laughs> listen, I, I hear you laugh now. And I guarantee you at that point, I mean, you were, I, I don't know, I don't know what you were feeling. But you said reality hits and it's not going to yeah. be a fun. And you and right at this point, you don't even know how long you're going to stay there. I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm like, damn, boy, you, this is what I say to myself. All right, well, we in here now. We don't know how long it's going to be in here. Nobody knows we in here. We don't even know how this process works, how the jail operates, none of that. You know what I'm saying? You in this bit with 14 other Chinese men, none of which you can talk to. No English. Watch it's not looking too good. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Dude. like, it's not looking too good, but hey, we have to hold ourselves accountable. We can't get upset or place blame on anybody for us being in this predicament, but us. So with that being said, I'm going to have to take this to the chin. We got to take this to the chin. Now, moving forward, what needs to take place for, you know what I'm saying, to speed up this process so we can get up out of here? Well, people got to realize you're here first thing first. All right. So what needs to take place in order for that? Well, you were supposed to meet colleagues and friends at that event today, and you didn't show up. I'm sure they called you, and you ain't answered. Is that a red flag? No, nah, not necessarily, but you know what I'm saying? It's weird. Mm. Now, if you don't show up for all your classes come Saturday and Sunday, our busiest days out of the week, all hell is breaking loose. Because now they got to find somebody to cover all those classes last minute. And two, one of those colleagues we was going to meet at, meet at that event, me and her worked at the same school. And she's from Atlanta, too, so she already going to know, all right. He ain't show up to the event. We call him, he ain't answered. Now he ain't showing up for work. And we call him, he still ain't answered. Red flag, something is wrong. All right, all right. that's one phase. The other well, it's phase- a, It's a big city. Anything can have happened, so- For sure, but you know what I'm saying? Like, this been my dog since I done got to Beijing. You know what I'm saying? We been locked, we both from the city. So yeah, that's, man, mm. come on. We Like, we grew up sharing, we, like, we grew up together. Uh, so I'm already, you know, I'm like, boom, she gonna know something that's up. And she gonna definitely spread word to start looking for me. Uh, the other phase is I had a girlfriend at the time that still lived in America. We talked regularly. I said, when I don't respond to two of her messages, all hell is breaking loose. So I'm like, I know I'm happy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Where the hell me? are you? What's up? <laughs> so, so now she's calling the cops. She's calling the feds. She's calling the, the, the Department of State. So it's Friday morning right now. I'm going to have to at least sit through the weekend before I become missing on people's radar. So come Monday, Hopefully the search will begin for me then. Until then, we're gonna take it step by step. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> for sure. That's the whole conversation I'm had I, I have with myself. Pray to my ancestors for keep me safe and sound up until this point. Man, try to get some sleep. You know what I'm saying? For now. Um, but yeah, locked up 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 15 minutes, one cell, nine wooden beds, three soups a day, and all I have is that one plastic bowl and that one plastic spoon. Nice. Talking about comparison, I mean, I mean, this no one wants to be in jail or an inmate anywhere, but that is true, you know, being an inmate for real. I mean, there's no, <laughs> I mean, that that is that is like, you know, 
I mean, the, the least, I mean, the next thing is really isolation. I mean, that's it. But really, you yeah. are in, in, in overcrowded room and uh, no language. Oh, my God. I mean, dude, I, I, I bet you one day, one night was like a century. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. It's, it's at first because I'm like, bro, I'm like, okay. Do we get rec time? When do we leave the cell? Like, I'm like, bro, I don't even know how this thing. I don't really know how this thing even work, bro. <laughs> this, is, this is not United States, dude. You, you know, know what I'm saying? I don't even know how this thing works, bro. I'm like, hopefully when we get rec time. So I remember seeing other foreigners, like, while I was going through the, you know what I'm saying, processing. I'm like, okay, hopefully when we get rec time, I'll be able to tap in with some foreigners and I'll be able to get a feel for how this thing works, talking to them. But I'm like, damn, bro, oh, it's been a whole day. We ain't left the cell. Okay, we might leave the cell. You know what I'm saying? Every other day. I'm like, let's see how tomorrow goes. Tomorrow comes. I'm like, okay, it's the same exact thing. We still ain't left. Okay, but so do we ever leave the cell? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I have no clue. I'm just learning as I go. So I realize, yeah, we don't leave this mode. What, what, Chesler, one thing that that is curious is that all this, knowing that you were a U.S. citizen, you had a passport, uh, and there was no discussion whatsoever by your, you know, being a, an actual protector. Man, the, the uh, man I'm and, talking about yeah, the whole time we going through the, uh, I'm in custody. Like they don't arrest me. I'm in. I'm not talking to them folks. My culture. We've been told not to talk to them people. Don't talk to the police. You know what I'm saying? Especially even if they directly talk to you, if you ain't got no representation, keep your mouth closed. So they weren't talking to me. I wasn't talking to them. They say jump. I say how high. The last thing I need to be doing is trying to get belligerent and bucking at these uh, folks. That's not gonna make it. That's not gonna make it any better. <laughs> I'm violating. So you know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to keep everything. Cool, calm, and collected. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's how I'm used to working my one with law enforcement. My energy be the reason why everything plays out in my favor. And even though it was ugly, it still played out in my favor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It still played out in my favor. Um, well, so, I mean, you're yeah. looking at the bright side of it, and and you know what? To your point, maybe if you escalate a discussion, things can have gone you know worse. You know, maybe that right. 14 days becomes months. You know, you never know. <laughs> you know so, so, so how how? Did it get to the point where you were just there and they just say, okay, you're out of here? I mean, how did that work? So, um, as so the first few days, I'm the only foreigner, only English speaker in the cell. So on day four, chapter four, I moved to a new cell. And in that new cell, I'm amongst other foreigners, three other foreigners. One is a Russian dude from Russia. All he speaks is Mandarin and Russian. So I can't really, I can't talk to him at all. Mm. The other foreigner is a Chinese American from California, English and Mandarin, so, you know what I'm saying, I could tap in with him, and the third foreigner was a Brazilian from Brazil, fluent in Portuguese, Mandarin, and uh, English, so now I have people to talk to, it's a bright side of the story, now this is when the, the whole story shifts now, because like, hey, we got some, let's introduce some more characters, we got some people we can <laughs> communicate with, and, you know what I'm saying, now we can start connecting the dots as far as how this process works, it is crazy, once I meet these new foreigners, everything was explained to them, this whole process, what they're specifically locked up for, how much time they serve, and they know everything to the fullest of ten. And they sit there asking my, ask me all these questions. I have none, no clue what to tell them. And they just blown away, like they didn't tell you this, they ain't let you do this, they ain't. Do this. I'm like, but no, I'm just here. Just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They blown away too. I'm like, yeah, for sure. But that's what makes my story what it is. You know what I'm saying? But um, I learned how the jail operates, the rules of the jail, and how this process eventually works. Okay, we got to meet with immigration. Okay, for sure. Now, how long am I going to be here? Nobody, I just have no clue. Everybody else know they said time. I just don't. So 
I'm literally, I'm here to tell y'all, as you read the book, but you don't know what's going on. You waking up every morning to hear some information, going to bed disappointed. Until one day, they just, hey, come on. You like, me, for real? Mm. Damn. <laughs> it's like that. That's it. Come so, on. So, Damn, for real? Now, 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 they came in, they just said, time's up, and you're out, that's it? They said, come on. And I'm just in disbelief. Like, damn. So they, <laughs> you, here's, your, here's, your, here's your clothes, here's everything, and you're out of here. Oh, they took me uh, to the, took me back downstairs, you know what I'm saying, had me change my clothes, signed some more documents I couldn't read, and then took me straight to my apartment to pack up the rest of my stuff, and then straight to the airport where I was deported from the country. Wow. Where did they send you to? To the States or some other country? Oh, yeah. I went back to America. Oh, straight up. Direct back to Atlanta. Back to Atlanta. Wow. And then when you got here, how did, how was that? I mean, um, it was a process still. It was adjustment for sure. Cause like, man, I was submerged in Beijing. You know what I'm saying? Fully, fully submerged. So it was, man, just adjusting back to the vibrations of Atlanta and America driving and all that other stuff. And my money's still over there in China. You know what I'm saying? I lost everything spent in two weeks. You know what I'm saying? A girlfriend I had at the time. Coming back to America, realizing that's not a thing no more. So I, it was, I was down bad when I got back. It was it was not pretty. <laughs> no, but but, pretty. but but through the like when you got here and the customs, was there like uh you know, had to but literally if I didn't write like you said, but if I didn't write this book, but nobody would know what's happening to you. Mm. Nobody wow. would know. <laughs> oh dude man this is this is amazing i mean it's it's crazy but, but you know so so what advice would you give to people about this particular experience i mean I, I think we alluded to some of it but but coming from you like you who had been through this whole hellhole i mean if you want to call it that way uh what advice would you take you to take our young you know crowd or anybody for that matter um just, just what would you tell them definitely like we said earlier before you Take your ass to any other country, do your research, you know what I'm saying? Thorough research on the vibrations of that land, the rules, laws, culture, everything. Ideally, if you know somebody that lives there, that's gonna be your best bet. Now you have a full tour guide. They know everything, you know what I'm saying? So now you're gonna be in better hands versus you just out there winging it by yourself. So definitely do your research. If you know somebody uh, good, if you don't know nobody, Make a friend <laughs> for sure. Um, and just, you know what I'm saying? Just follow the rules, of course. And um, if things do go left, man, stay calm, cool, and collected. Um, during the fog of war, that's when it really thrives. And most people in that situation, when everything popped off, would have lost their mind. And, <laughs> and it would have been a completely different scenario. So just stay on even keel, stay on level headed. You know what I'm saying? I learned that from football. So, can't get too high, can't get too low. Um, Thank you. And you know what I'm saying? Never let no hard time humble us. Take what you need to take away from the situation. You know what I'm saying? But you know I'm saying? don't let a negative situation turn you sour, bitter, you know what I'm saying? Discourage you. You know what I'm saying? Don't let a negative effect on you like that. Well, that, that, thank you for, for that. Now, now, you, when did you decide to write the book? world so um i got back i got back in april 2019 um i didn't start writing the book until like july 2019 that summer and that 
happened because I was with one of my friends. When I was locked up in Beijing Jail 6, I was like, all right, when I get out of here, I was like, I need to link up with my partner so-and-so. I don't know. I just know once I link up with him, we're going to talk about it. We're going to powwow. And I know we're going to be able to come up with something or we're going to be able to do something with this whole situation. I have no clue what it is, but I just know I need to link up with him. So I was just kicking it with him. And he was like, hey, bro, you should write a book about experience. I was like, well, that's a good ass idea. I don't even know where to start, but that's a great idea. He took it further. Took my phone, went to my notes, left me a five-layer outline. And I just started filling in the outline. And when we doing that, I caught a flow. I wanted to tell the story. So I moved it from the notes on my phone to a Google Doc to type it up. Four months later, the story was written. And then just spent an additional six months getting ready for publishing. Well, so I have a question, Chancellor. You, you, you were almost out of the grid for two weeks. No one knows about you. You were just completely in, in you know, disappeared, basically, right? What was the reaction of, of your folks out here? I mean, your friends. I mean, I, did I think you were no longer in this world? I mean, you just kind of cut off communication, zero communication, knowing that you're in a very, you know, far place. What was that reaction when you just showed up? Hey, I'm back. <laughs> so definitely a lot. I didn't even tell a lot of people when I embarked on the journey. You know what I'm saying? I kept it really to myself. I told select few here and there, but aside from that, a lot of people didn't even know I was out there. Um, and then for the those that did know I was out there, man, with the time difference, you know, 12 to 12, 13 hour time difference. So it's like communication it barely exists then. When I got back, these folks thought it had been a whole year. Like, damn, it's been a year that fast, boy. <laughs> flew by. These folks had no People got lives. You know what I'm saying? Like, Y'all won't believe until I'm sitting there telling them what then took place these last two weeks. Oh man, that's when the whole paradigm shift. Then energy shift, they body language changed and everything. I'm like, okay, yeah, for sure. But um, just with me telling that story verbally and seeing how it was affecting, I was like, oh, yeah, I got some in my hands. I don't know how I'm gonna go about sharing this story with the masses, but I got something for sure. So when Cubs like, hey, you should write a book. I'm like, oh yeah, this is it right here <laughs> for sure. Well, so so Chancellor, that was your first book. Now you went you went on and wrote a, a couple books, if I'm not mistaken, an additional couple books, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, well, I published one book. Oh. So all your books is a trilogy and it's telling one long story. Alright. So you have 14 days in Beijing, that's book one. You love learn, book two. Real Love Never Dies, book three. And um, You Love, You Learn, Real Love Never Dies, pretty much, it's a romance soccer. So it's pretty much, so a lot of women that read 14 Days, they was like, okay, you talk about this girlfriend you throughout the book, but you never get to actually speak to her. Then once you're released, that's the end. So what happened with you and her? How that story play out? We want to know on y'all. Da, 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 da. So I'm like, all right, bet. <laughs> so that's when the You Love, You Learn takes place. It's really the prequel. Book two is really the prequel. So it takes place when I'm in college still, and I, that's when I met her, and it was my junior year. And then it you know what I'm saying, carries over to my senior year of college. And Real Love Never Dies takes, you know what I'm touches on me graduating, landing the job in China, the different stuff I was on in China before getting locked up, and then, of course, what took place after those infamous 14 days. So it's all telling one long story, but just with a little twist on it. You know what I'm saying? Still drama, still juicy, and all that. So, so Chesler, 
do you regret everything that happened to you or you look at it different if that didn't happen you wouldn't be who you are today man when football came to end for me in november 2017 just last game of my career hey you know what i'm saying got no injury none it's just last game last time hang these cleats up i already know nfl ain't in the picture damn chance but what's next what we finna do who are you what are you good at doing? What do you like to do? What do you want out of life? Who do you aspire to be? What do you aspire to be? What's your purpose? I couldn't answer any of these questions. So, but I'm like, I got to work. You know what I'm saying? I got to start somewhere. So it took applying for corporate corporate jobs, getting told no, to finally, you know what I'm saying, getting told yes, go, yeah, it's a call that for sure. To now see it and elaborate on myself thoroughly. <laughs> thoroughly. I wear a lot of hats now, a lot of titles for sure. Well, well, so you are also now taking it on the road and, and, and coaching people about writing books, yeah. about, you know, maybe just how to structure themselves better. You know, uh, what, what, what kind of works, you know, work that you do right now and, and, and which form do you help people specifically? Yeah, so I have a client um, named Anthony McKinney who published his book through Colette Publications LLC back in uh, October last year. I met him in 2021, early 2021, on a podcast. <laughs> so he was a guest as well. And um, I'm telling, I'm just sharing my story. So he was like, after the interview, uh, interview he was like, he pulled me to the side, like, hey, bro, I've been having this idea for this book. I don't know how to go about writing it, but this is something I really want to do. I'm like, sure, let's do it for sure. I've been trying to help. Plenty of people up to this point, we get to a certain part of the phase and people just stop. I don't know why. You know what I'm saying? I don't know why. So I'm like, yeah, let's do it. This was the very first person to see it all the way through. And literally, he started from the very, just like how my partner did me. Start off, with, I gave him, helped him put together an outline and then showed him how to do this. Now the outline there, but you should just start filling it in now. And now once it's all filled in, now we can go back, edit it, perfect it, structure it. Woo -woo -woo, let's get the cover. I uh, start setting it up. You know what I'm saying? We'll do, walking through the whole process, and uh, upon his release, he was ranked the number one new bestseller in two different genres. Wow! And so, so now this is this is your thing. I mean, now you are fully invested into helping others go through the process. You know, putting the book, the outline, writing them, going through the actual publishing, and helping them through the sure. the, the whole like uh, the whole you know process of publishing the book. Um, and, and do you also do any talk shows? Well, I mean, you do talk shows right now. Do you do any like coaching type of thing for maybe you, the youth or anything or, or, or not yeah, yet? Yeah, I started uh, a, a life coach in 2021 as well. And we was working with at-risk teens in my county. So kids that got arrested for drugs, you know what I'm saying? The judge is like, y'all can do this time or y'all can join this program and rehabilitate yourself. So they chose to join the program. Um, my former track coach from high school, he has a nonprofit organization called the UMA Foundation, Uplifting America's Youth. It's been found, it was founded back in 05. So he partnered with this other uh, organization that those kids was a part of, the program those kids was a part of. We partnered together and we use 14 Days in Beijing as a part of our lessons, our life skills from. So we just read a chapter and I had discussion points um, for us to you know, discuss at the end of the chapter and um so i said yeah we've been starting one uh, working with kids all different types of backgrounds all different ages, you know what I'm saying? 
Um, and it's been it's been lit. You know what I'm saying? I never thought I'd be doing anything. You can tell me I'd be doing anything I'm doing right now. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? that's been a vibe. And then, of course, just culture football. You know, that's definitely life skills and stuff. And all majority of my players follow me on Instagram. They see everything I got going on. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like a big brother, big cousin to them for real. So, so what's next, Chancellor, for you? Man, we're going to keep running these marathons, man. We're going to keep building, you know what I'm saying, building on top of this foundation. Colette Publications, LLC, will be a household publishing company in the future. Rest assured of that. Um, we're going to get some more authors up underneath our, our book. Um, we're going to continue to grow this car rental service I got. I got three cars on the fleet right now, so keep running that marathon. going to expand to Airbnbs um, and rental properties. Um, what else? Going to keep, you know what I'm saying? Teaching. I don't see myself in those fields, at least teaching curriculum, you know what I'm saying? Now, as far as life skills and other endeavors, for sure, I definitely see myself doing that. Public speaking, I see myself doing a lot of uh, public speaking events, um, uh, TED Talks and stuff like that. Definitely just going to continue to travel, host retreats, you know what I'm saying? All that for sure. Um, so just continue to uh, run these marathons. I want to turn all these books into movies. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Some type of film. I think that'll be lit. Animes. It don't mean matter. I'm on it on the big screen. <laughs> for sure. Um, so yeah, man. Just continue to run these marathons. Continue to run these laps. Continue to build on everything I done already laid down. All right. Well, listen, that's a lot of stuff. And uh, we're, we're coming to the end of the show right now. But uh, uh, wh where can people get the book? Uh, Amazon, I'm assuming. Boz Nobles, that kind of thing. Yeah, so um, available on Amazon as well as my website, chesterkjackson.com. Um, for my non-readers out there, you can listen to the audiobook for 14 Days in Beijing. It is available on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, and Apple Podcasts. And I'm narrating it. It's a vibe. So definitely get your popcorn ready for that. Um, yeah, y'all want to find me? I'm on any social media platform except TikTok. You ain't going to find me on there. But you find me on everything else. Just Google Chancellor K. Jackson. You'll find other interviews I've done, my website, any aspiring authors out there. Tap in with your boy. You know what I'm saying? So I go to my website. We can sign up for a free consultation. We can tap in, see so we're a great fit for each other. We can make this thing happen. No cap. <laughs> no cap. Uh, excellent, excellent. So, so what advice would you give our audiences before we part today? For sure. Um, I want to leave y'all with this message. And it's uh, from Nipsey Hussle. For y'all that don't know who Nipsey Hussle was, Nipsey Hussle was a mogul, philanthropist, philosopher, serial entrepreneur, um, well known for his music and his color line. And the message goes, long-winded, running through this life like it was mine. Never settling, but setting every goal high. 1,000 burpees on path to my own self-destruction or success. But what is a mistake without the lesson? You see, the best teacher of life is your own experience. And none of us know who we are until we fail. They say every person is defined by their reaction to any given situation. Well, who would you want to define you? Someone else or yourself? Or whatever you choose to do, homie, get your heart to it. Stay strong. <laughs> wow, that's pretty deep, man. Thank you so much for that. That's, that's uh, I think... Uh, that's a lot of juice, a lot of mojo, a lot of, you know, uh, motivation right there for people. And uh, it's, you know, spoken truly and, and gratefully by you. And uh, listen, uh, dude, I mean, I know you've 
gone through some tough time and, and uh, a, a real uh, unfortunate circumstances and situation. But but again, you made the best out of it, and uh, it turned. It, it's really given you a whole different. That this is the part where sometimes we don't know a bad thing can happen only to catapult us to the right direction and to the to the better things. But we don't know that. <laughs> you never know that, right? And we try to avoid things, but you never know. Things happen for a reason. And yes, at the time, they sound like the world is is collapsing on you. It's the end of the the line. But then you don't know. Now, of course, we don't want to jump in <laughs> and take the risk unnecessarily. But if sometimes things happen it's your mindset how you look at it you could have completely said you know what i hate this world it sucks whatever and then you just you know got got in the worst place but you took it to the positive route and you know, launched it and now look at you you are motivated inspiring others helping people and the journey just you know is literally still too young for you i mean there's plenty of time you're still young i mean there's a lot of action i'd like to eventually bring you back you know maybe uh in a year or two and see like where you at and and uh okay. you know, just continue the discussion man for All sure, right. man. Appreciate you being with me. For sure, man. No, thank you so much, Chancellor. Yeah, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the. Uh, the you, you, I, I have to say, you know, not everybody is willing to talk about some of the personal stuff, but you took it on 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 the larger scale, and you know what? You didn't keep it for yourself, and that's actually uh, admirable and uh, respectable. So I, I respect you for that, man. Appreciate All right. it. And big shout out to everybody that's on, man. If y'all stay in tune for the whole episode. Hey, man, real MVP, like I said earlier. It's real. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, folks, I hope you enjoyed our show today and you've learned a lot. And, uh, yeah, do follow Ch Chancellor's, uh, you know, work and uh, his site, his, his all the stuff that he's doing. Uh, there's plenty to learn here. And, uh, yeah, please do. Uh, so, that being said, we are at the end of the show. I'm Hurricane H. Uh, we'll be talking soon. New day, new show, new topic. Talk soon. Bye for now.